cut you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Well, welcome back, Stockton Jacks. Out to my home, Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. SP futures down twelve seventy-five. NZ futures down fifty-five. We were up last night. That some of the Chinese income numbers, Chinese numbers came out, and then we turned to the south side. And now all of a sudden, we're kind of uh, we're not down as much as we were, but we're also not up. Do we have Mr. Greg with us. Grains are up, Chief. Grains are Balance up. Balance out your equities. Um, is that? Uh, I, I assume, are you one of those guys that has, like, the license plate, like, limit up, you know, in your Porsche? <laughs> no, that costs more. I just kind of gave what they, or took what they gave me. Um, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, whatever's going on in the equities, I haven't looked yet, but grains are definitely. How much up? Uh, especially wheat are up, so. Bad news bears How much? Well, the, uh, the rest of the world. Somebody I just saw here on CNBC, somebody decided to, uh, um, ban exports of wheat. What the hell's that? Somebody this morning did. Yeah, that was India. After they said, you know, they've been wishy-washy for a couple of weeks now, and there was always buzz. They've been wishy-washy not, for three decades. So great. They've been wishy-washy for three decades that I know of. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They're they're I believe one of the interior ministers or something are saying, no, we have plenty. Um, we're going to assess the situation. What always politics people say, you know, we're assessing the situation, we'll respond as needed, that kind of stuff. And the, they were kind of counting on India to make up some of that short from from Ukraine, but guess not. Well, and somebody uh, decides they're going to... In addition to that, I mean, really, we, we have problems here, too, with the planting. So it's been like a double whammy on that front. What? Uh, all right, so explain to everybody, when you say planting, uh, that would be... Summer wheat. Explain the difference between the two crops and what what state does what. I, I thought the winter wheat crops are big is the biggest one, but is that still true? Um, what we what we're talking about here, um, let's see, hard red, hard, hard red winter, hard red spring, um, are just the seasons. So here in Chicago, we do the soft. Um, in Minneapolis, they do uh, they trade hard, but what I'm talking about is uh, new crop, which means stuff that they're planting. Uh, say right now, and will be available in December-ish. All right. So where that is, what states is that? And you're not going to hear, you're not going to see any of that in Illinois because here it's all corn and soybeans, right? Well, not all, but pretty much everything. Yeah. So the I states here are mostly corn and corn and uh, soybeans just because we, <laughs> we've we got the best soil. But if you go, say, west and north, they get, they get a different type of climate, so I guess you would be better suited planting, uh, and you make more money with the, with the wheat. Well, wheat's pretty much Minnesota grass, today, right? You know, the Dakotas. Yeah, wheat's pretty much grass, right? <laughs> so you're... 
Yeah. Like wherever you can grow grass, you can pretty much grow wheat or grow uh, hay or anything. You can grow wheat, right? Right. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess, which is our biggest wheat state? Is it Kansas or Minnesota? Uh, I didn't look. There was there was the report uh, last Friday. I didn't look for that one, but there's always. I, th- I think it's Kansas. And aren't, aren't some people? I read something. We had our we did more stuff on the grains here. Read something where somebody, even in Illinois, they're saying if you did it just right, you could get was either a a string bean or or uh, or pea crop in right before the time you had to plant the corn. If you did it just right, or the soybeans, you could get. You yeah, could they want to incent more of that too. Uh, as I think, just like a calorie calorie thing, the government's trying to increase insurance payments and or increase insurance uh, subsidies and. And they're trying to really get those farmers to plant as much as they can to make up for whatever we're going to lose. We just need a whole bunch of different equipment, or what, what would be the what would be the uh, reluctance? Their reluctance is their costs are uncertain, and their planning was geared towards whatever they've been doing uh, for this next few weeks. So when you throw the costs of Doing a whole nother crop, um, whether or not it's going to pay off, and well, are you there? We just we just lose our man. Yep. It appears so. I think we were mid sentence, and yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll get we'll, we'll try hey, to back. Right? You, Did you I are. lose you guys? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, sorry um, about that. Yeah. So the the uncertainty of of the risk outweigh the potential profits and the government's trying to subsidize to where those meet and have the farmers grow more. But the, the winter wheat means you actually plant it, I'm going to say in September, and you have a nice, if you get a nice snow cover and everything else, up in the winter comes spring, up pops the wheat and you're good to go. You harvest it and then you've got like a whole summer to do something else, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, so now What we do here is the soft red, soft red winter. Okay, so that's uh, so that's that's and when I say here, I mean CME. That's the lower protein stuff: cakes, pastries, crackers. All right, and the other stuff is what the hard is. The higher protein stuff goes for, uh, say, flatbread. Okay. Then what? What about the stuff that goes in pasta? That's the uh, durum wheat. Is that all? I'm not as familiar with that one. I it, maybe there's a contract. I think there, I don't know if there's a contract. That's, that's why most of them are imported. I think. I guess they grow in Italy uh, or someplace over there. That would make sense. Anyway, so what, what is the issue yeah, with our? If you go to KC, if you go to KC, um, they have wheat futures that are the hard red winter. So they're producers and processes of uh, hard red. So what is wrong with our weather that we're having a problem here? Too dry? Too what? What? What's going on? Uh, right, right now here we're maybe 30% or 40% behind of where we normally are because of uh, soil, wet soil. This is in wheat or this is in everything? So here specifically, the soil conditions aren't as, you know, conducive for planting, so they've been sitting on their hands. Uh, South, you'll get the weather that actually is not, uh, it's too dry, and they've got drought conditions if you go southwest and north. So... Yeah, we seem to be too wet or too dry somewhere here. We're not. We're not. Illinois, I think, is going to be fine, right? I mean, we. 
think we actually have pretty good weather. Illinois. Illinois, no. No? no? Not, not really. So Illinois this year, we're, I think, the farthest behind in soybeans and corn. So maybe we're 50% behind where wow. we normally are. Did you ever hear farmers say everything was okay? <laughs> well, last year they said, you know, bumper crops. Well, we had, uh, well, they were either complaining about the weather or worried about the weather or something. They're, they, farmers remind me of traders. They never had a good day, and yet the guy's driving a Porsche, right? <laughs> well, when they say, you know, we're off production, you can take that with a grain of salt because last last year's crop was enormous. So I don't know if it was the biggest they've ever had, but it's it's up there, say, top five, and they sold a lot. So. Well, I, and one thing I, I seem to recall when my, my brother was doing soybean options, got us back in the 80s, uh, or he actually did corn options, that there was, you had to be a, a real real stud monkey to to uh, to get over 200 bushels an acre. And now, you know, unless there's something wrong with you, in a decent year you're over 200 bushels an acre of corn, right? Not this year. I think they revised their their average down maybe 4 or 5%. I think they're at like 180. Is that because too much rain or too cold? Uh, I think that has more to do with the late planting. Well, that's what I mean. I think we were, we were too wet and too cold, I think, whatever. So, yeah. But a lot of guys are going to soybeans anyway because it costs a fertilizer, correct? A fertilizer is, is expensive, so, yeah, you switch a little bit. But in terms of numbers, you know, maybe that's you decrease corn. Two to four percent, you increase soybeans that, that same amount. It's not. In terms of feed for animals, most going to change the world. Your uh, your cattle eat the corn, right? And the chicken and hogs eat more soybeans. Sort of. So they swap in and out. So the feeds are basically dependent on price. Uh, soybean meal is is a big feed, but when that gets expensive, you can. And do different types of calories, and corn or whatever, whatever else is cheap. They'll basically buy. Well, you sent me this thing. Uh, this is interesting. How you? Uh, I, have, I have you up here um, on the weekend. Our man, Mr. Greg. Uh, it's it's funny how the news. I mean, I, I don't know why people aren't a little more. It, let's put it this way: once in a while, you know, we're just a couple guys here. I'll, I'll say something that I, I hear on on TV or something. I'll say I hear it, heard it. And all of a sudden, you get proof, and it's never exactly the way you hear it. I swear, if you, if you listen to these talking touts, uh, I would have thought that out of the Russian and the Russian gas was ninety percent going to like Germany or France or something. And you sent me this uh, energy, uh, well, a plot chart of some kind, and it seems like very little of it is. It, it's a totally different group of people getting it than you would expect by listening to the national news or am I, am I being wrong well, here what serves the what serves the narrative well I mean here I, if, if, if you would have said to me which is the most important customers of Russian national gas I would have said gee Germany because they got well I guess they turned some of the nukes back on I'm not sure about that and they, they were going to close all the coal fired plants and I don't think they did but that all of a sudden that they were just all over this Russian gas According to your chart here, Germany's like it's like two percent, five percent of their gas comes from Russia or something, or their energy dependency. So we're talking. Let me pull that up here. I, I, I'm 
thinking. What well, says here to the? I know that uh, Bulgaria and Greece and Italy and and those guys and they they were all making noise, especially Serbia. I think were making noise about you know we can't immediately cut off our our uh, natural gas from Russia because that's going to cost us too much. So who's actually taking the most oil, though? Who, who well, this is this is gas. I mean, the oil. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to tell on the oil, man, because it's it, if you don't get it one place, you can kind of get it another. There's twenty companies that twenty countries that export oil. Yeah. So, but but gas. I mean, you, you got to get it through a pipeline, pretty much, except for the the, sh- the few ships that we have. I don't know about few, but there's there's not. It's not like there's hundreds of them. Mm. But I'm looking at this chart, and <laughs> Belarus is like a hundred percent. Like they get all their gas from Russia. Norway is like 95, Serbia is 90, Slovakia is 95, uh, Cro- uh, Chechia? What's oh, Chechia? you're talking about the ones who have bought the Russian gas. Yeah, yeah. The 27 billion? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, so it's nowhere near Serbia with the people. Slovakia are buying, the, buying <laughs> just tons of Russian gas. I mean, if you look at their, what was it? It's comparable to Norway. Yeah, well, I've got Finland at uh, at 80, uh, what, 72. i got Estonia 74, Bulgaria, Latvia. Mongolia gets 85. Nobody cares about Mongolia. North Macedonia 65, Bosnia-Herzegovina 60, Hungary 60. And down here you got Italy at 38. you got Poland at 28. you got Slovenia at 25. And way the hell down here you got France is like uh, eight. Netherlands is eight. Portugal's like two. We're not, I, I can't even find you. Germany's like two. It's, it's totally different than what I would have expected. Well, I'm, in, this is from, I think, 2019, so maybe it's changed a little, but in general, in general, I mean, those pipelines, <laughs> they run across Europe, so you got uh, Ukraine taking the VIG. And then the other countries paying, say, up to you know five or eight billion or or more actually now for for all that gas. So yeah, the prices this year is twenty seven's got to be more like forty, I would think. Yeah. Well, it's just I mean, they, they, I mean, people wonder what you know. This is all with the price of uh, of wheat is essentially in the U.S. Well, people eat a lot of bread here too, and cereal. But a lot of that, most of that, is well. You know, you got cornflakes, which is obviously corn, uh, and you got rice checks, which are rice, correct? But most of most of the world's cereal, other than oatmeal and stuff, is wheat, correct? Is a uh, is some sort of the da- the daily, uh, shall we say, calories as you call them that somebody's eating in uh, in uh, uh, you know some, the uh, in a lot of the places that they have all kinds of problems in the world, being Egypt and those kinds of places. I mean the the uh, normal price of this stuff two three years ago, if I'm if I'm right, Greg, is, was like under five dollars a day, because most people worldwide isn't that what most people make? Maybe an average five. It's not everybody's working for sure, but less than that. For those countries, it might be closer to two fifty. And but if if all of a sudden the price of the daily, uh, you know, much, much, you have to put down your stomach to not be hungry. We're not talking about steaks. Once that gets like an awful lot more than people are making, that's when you have stuff like the Arab Spring and and uh, uh, what's the uh, the place that Israel Israel's always fighting about Sinai. 
those kinds of areas. I mean, no, what's the unemployment rate in those places? Forty-five percent. I mean, all of a sudden, your price of food doubles. You you have a problem. You know, Houston, we have a problem. Right, and also food and energy. So food and the other side of that is energy, which we were just talking about. So in 2019, uh, say say uh, it was 257 or so for natural gas. Yeah. You know, now say we're closer to. I think we started the year at four. And now we're eight. Maybe now we're, yeah, six. I think or seven. So. How much? How much, Greg? Is he? You uh, mean your your corn? Well, obviously that, that's why you have a futures market. And um, say this: the nat- natural gas is even is even. I was going to say more different, but again, it's a. I could say that. This uh, inflation is not transitory. It seems. Uh, no. But I'm saying, but your natural gas, in other words, if you and I, uh, it's not like it's, well, oil, you got a truck, or soybeans, you got a truck, but the, I mean, if you and I, all of a sudden we bought a piece of property in Pennsylvania for, say, a hunting lodge, even though I don't hunt, uh, we find out we're sitting on a whole bunch of gas. To get it the hell out of there, we either got to have some kind of a temporary pipeline, which they do, that goes over other people's property to some other pipeline, right? The... In other words, we need, we need to get it. Some utility around there is going to say, "Hey, you two idiots <laughs> that are sitting on all this gas, we'll buy your gas for the next ten years and we'll pay you four and a half or something, whatever the number is, and we'll escalate it a little bit here and there based on the futures, but up or down. But basically, we're going to lock ourselves in, right? I mean, we're not we're not, we're, not, we're probably not going to have a, a price that fluctuates by the day because neither we want that nor the utility company wants that. So you're more likely to have a... I think they're really trying to do that in Europe yeah. right now. They're scrambling to build those lines across the, a lot of those nations we just mentioned and working out those deals where you can ease the, the demand because they're all linked together. So they're trying to, I don't know if it's a, it's not NATO or it's one of those EU type groups that are saying maybe if we get all these pipelines on our side here, we, we can share the demand and ease, ease our uh, dependence. Well, but the point being is that the, the, uh, there's a difference between selling something forward to an individual person and being like, what I'm trying to do is, is separate the, the difference. In other words, you, if you and I, if we, if we're sitting on this gas, wherever it is, we can't deliver it to a delivery hub. We're, we're kind of the slave of whatever happens to be around us to get it someplace, right? And whatever the place it's going, if that person says we'll buy it from you, he's got really as much power over us as we have over him, if not more, because he's like our only real guy, right? The reason why I say this is because like, I think because the energy is so yeah. dangerous. Well, it, you just can't. Very heavily we we can't say no. We'll sell it to California because how the hell are we going to get to California? Is what I'm saying. This is what I'm trying to educate everybody here. There's there's a basis risk always to any kind of commodity. It's not like it's IBM where you can, if you have a thousand shares of IBM, well nobody wants paper anymore. But assuming you, you had a certificate and, and it was 20 years ago, uh, you could take that into any brokerage firm and they're going to say, I want to sell my IBM and you sell it, right? Your your, your IBM is fungible pretty much everywhere. But but as you get more and more into the economy or the commodities, every single one is different. Like it, you know, it's like kung fu, where they said every style is a lifetime, right? Every one of the different commodities. I mean, that's why you're really good at the one you are deal with. You, you deal with the crush, so you know more about soybeans probably than you do anything else, correct? Um, yeah. So when you say basis, are you talking about the trans 
transport and uh, insurance related to the the future versus right. I'm, I'm trying to say people will say at the end of the contract. What I'm saying is, is, is let's say corn is eight bucks. First question is going to be, well, where? Not not on your farm. It's not right. Not well, in your you barn. Gotta, I mean, not not in your barn. It's not. It's going to be someplace, and you got to get it there. What I'm saying is, you start to get more and more away from that. You and I could, if we wanted to, get an army of trucks, and it costs us a lot, and truck it someplace, and 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 we would get the eight bucks minus however we much. We could have truck. our own basis. We could have our own basis. But when you're talking about yeah. some of these energy things, I mean, even oil. I mean, wherever you are. I mean, I uh, I, uh, went, I used to go to those crazy shows, money shows where they had everything in there. Well, I was talking to some guy, and they were they were trying to sell shares in this well in Alaska somewhere. Well, they'd found the oil in 1956. It was uh, it was standard oil, I think, it did at the time. Well, there wasn't, wasn't a road or a pipeline anywhere near the place. So it, it changed hands probably five times. Everybody knew there was oil there. You know, how, how much, I guess, they maybe didn't know, but they knew it was a workable area, and, and it just was nothing there. And all of a sudden, one day, somebody put a road close enough to where they could put some temporary pipeline down to some, I don't know what the hell you do on the road where you put it in a truck. And But they were able to actually, they were going to start drilling with the ability to get it out of there. Well, still, you're a long way from Cushing, Oklahoma, right? So the, so barrel oil there, it might be, you know, what, what, 100 hours in Cushing, but it's not 100 hours in Alaska, you know, a half a mile from, a, from any kind of road type of thing. So it, it's all about... Yeah, so for what we have... What we have is are specifically designed as, or mentioned as basis risk. It's separate than the actual uh, futures hedge. Correct. So if you think about it as total cost to you, so if you're buying, uh, say, gas or oil, you're buying in the future. So your contract is going to either give you a debit or a credit at the end, and then you have to go and actually purchase that uh physical with that debit or credit so if your basis and by that i mean the spread between the spot price that you're going to actually have to pay if if that goes higher then you're actually paying your total cost is higher right and there's also in the futures that's how we kind of think of it um because there's that risk of having to pay more even though you've got the credit from your say the so you paid, you know, eighty dollars for a barrel of oil, and you had uh, it rent rally to a hundred. So yeah, you saved twenty dollars, and you're locked in at eighty. But if spot is one sixty, you know you <laughs> you have you have to pay that one sixty right. at the end of yeah. And and there's also there's what I'm saying is sometimes to alleviate that instead of both sides monkeying with the futures market. You might just say, "How about if I sell it to you forward, or whatever the futures price is, or some variation?" But I'll, I'll bet that as much as Kellogg's uses the futures market in some huge corn farm in Illinois, Kellogg's probably also has some story where he'll pull up to your place and say, "Hey, you normally get you know ninety bazillion bushels of corn here. How about selling me a third of your stuff at the futures price, and we'll just do that?" I bet they have forward contracts as well. Correct? Oh, they definitely do. And that involves more counterparty risk right. and legal risk when it's uh, when it's over the counter, which is not as regulated as what we do. So it's it's a trade off. Yeah, you could save a bunch of money and, and time and hassle, but then you start to get into solvency questions and credit credit questions. But I think in the natural gas world is where we're kind of getting back to that. 
natural gas world, there's a real lot of forward contractors. There's probably only one guy you're hooked up to. There's the one guy, and then you've got a lot of political risk. And just like you saw India do with, yeah. the, with the wheat, um, you could get Russia to say, you know what, we're, we're not exporting anymore. Sorry, guys, your forward contracts are... So are you guys really planning on having a... After you and I were talking about the violence in the city, we only have a minute. Uh, are you guys really doing bullet futures over there? <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's a really, really sad and uh, complex question that a lot of politicians should have to answer for. What do you make of the, the shooting in Millennium Park? I'm going to talk about that when Mr. Flannery comes in. When all the other idiots raise their phones and are trying to film the thing. Well, I don't know if you've seen the video or not. That's what I, yeah, I was looking looked, at. Yeah, it looked like uh, like an accident to me. So, very unfortunate. Well, I mean, it wasn't an accident. Somebody brought the gun and shot it. Yeah. And why, you know, those younger younger people have guns and is, is a different question, but seems like they've got nothing to do for the weekend so you go and hang out and start yeah, jumping on people and whether it was intentional or not it's just very well, you, very sad you 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 left there with that purpose in mind you left some place to go there with that purpose in mind it appears I mean it wasn't like maybe going, or maybe it was for defense we don't know well you're well you're not going up to it's not like you're going up to the to the corner and, and playing a game of softball no no all right, bud, I'll see you uh, this week. Thank you very much. SP Futures now only now 14. NASDAQ is now 58. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, 
Innovation and Human Resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jacks. Down tomorrow, Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. S&P futures down fifteen seventy-five. Nasdaq futures down sixty-nine. Uh, Dow futures down twenty. So we were actually up last night trying to make a bounce, but uh, it didn't work out so well. At least not so far. Um, over in Europe, we've got DAX down sixty-nine point five percent. FTSE up thirty cents. Call that flat. Got around down twenty-seven point four percent. They'll kind of mix over there, but mostly the downside. Asia. Nikkei up 119, uh, 0.4%. Shanghai down 10.3%. Hang Seng up 51.3%. Uh, um, China stocks were, actually, they were way up. And, uh, economic numbers disappoint, they claim. China, you know, it believes those numbers anyway, but that's another story. Whatever it was, they disappointed. Friday, we had a big bump up, uh, finally a rally. Dow was up, uh, was not, did not take the, the week to a positive. Dow was up 466, 1.5%. S&P up 93, 24 NASDAQ up 434, 3.8, so it can't make a big chunk of the last the day, a couple days before. Uh, still not up for the week. Ten-year, down two basis points, 2.91. The boom up four basis points, almost back to uh, 1%, 0.99. Japan unchanged, 0.25. Uh, boy, it's going to be boring as hell trading that thing. Uh, oil, down a buck 16, but still 109.33. Uh, Brent down a dollar 33, 110.22. Natural gas up 7 cents, 7.73. Our Bob unchanged at 395. I paid 475. That was allegedly good. Uh, gold down five bucks, 1803. Silver up 15 cents, 2116. Copper unchanged, 417. And Bitcoin down 344, 29,957. We'll see if that's another uh, uh, issue this week like it was last week. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? At currently 6.36 a.m. on Monday, May 15, 2022. We'll get you into sports real quick. Uh, last night in the East semifinals in the NBA, Bucks at Boston against Celtics. Celtics win 109-81. to uh, In the West semifinals, uh, Mavericks away at Phoenix against Suns. Mavericks win 123-90. to uh, In hockey, uh, uh, East first round of finals, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins at uh, New York Rangers. Rangers win 4-3. to in the West, Calgary Flames beat Dallas Stars 3-2. In baseball, Cubs and Diamondbacks, Cubs win 3-2. White Sox home versus Yankees, Yankees win 5-1. In 
Now for weather in Chicago, uh, mostly sunny this morning, but there's a slight chill in the air. Humidity at 85% and currently 55 degrees, a high of 78 and a low of 54. In Phoenix, clear skies, 77 degrees, a high of 103 and a low of 73. Now traffic in Chicago, a traffic building slowly eastbound on Eisenhower between US 12 West and Harlem Avenue. Traffic westbound, uh, eastbound on the Kennedy, my bad, between Cumberland and Lawrence Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 47th and West Randolph Street. Heavy traffic northbound on Stevenson between Ramp from 294 South to before South Kedzie. Uh, and we're not actually sure why that traffic is there right now. There's nothing uh, uh, popping up at the moment. But as that uh, 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 builds, we will let you know. Uh, light traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 18th Drive and East Jackson. And light traffic southbound on Lakeshore between East Monroe and East Balbo. So we got, Chief. Back to you. Back to you. <laughs> Mr. Flanagan, uh, what do we have? Do we have Mr. Back to Flanagan? We do indeed, Tom. Good morning. Morning. What's up, Betty? We haven't seen you in a while. Uh, I tried calling you yesterday, but you were, you know, indisposed with that sock drawer somewhere. <laughs> I was actually sitting out in the backyard until it started to rain, Tom. I didn't have my phone. So. Yeah, my brother had a cookout. We managed to make it all the way through before the uh, couple of drops fell. But then uh, we made it inside. Well, just a couple of drops, basically. It was all it was. Just enough to... Yeah. A lot more threatening looking than it yes. ever seemed to be. So yeah, it was a uh, interesting weekend in a lot of ways. What uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know where we should. Some of the things you're, you're, you're reading here. I don't know if I sent you this thing about the airline pilots. Yeah, I uh, somehow I, I I'm not saying anything's anything's wrong here, Jan. I'm not. I'm just I just re- report what's happening, and I just shake my head and say. What exactly are we doing here? We we ended up with. Let me, let me walk you through this just a bit and tell me where I'm wrong. Um, and then we want to talk about some of the violence and some of the psychology of, of investing because you're good at psychology, even though not much of an investor. You go, well, I know the mattress is a little lumpy because you got so much cash in there, but that's I guess that's your investment. But safest of all, right? Yeah, that's a. <laughs> um, we have uh, this thing with the COVID. So nobody's flying, nobody's going anywhere. We're not, we're uh, not allowed to do any of that stuff. Even though the most bizarre situation is the only place that you can actually sit next to each other is basically butt to elbow on a plane, and that that's okay. Yet you're supposed to be six foot difference walking down the street. Now, if you believe that, I really have a bridge for you for sale. But uh, anyway, we're not going to go into that, even though I already did. We end up with this PPP thing. You know, a lot of people got money, like a real, real lot of people got money with this PPP. But the, the real big guys, I don't even think, are registered how much money they got. So United Airlines, American Airlines, all these guys get huge hunks of cash from the government that they print in the back room, most of it. And they're not. the idea is you're supposed to pay your people, just like virtually everybody we know owns a restaurant or a law firm or you name it. You could apply for this, and I'm going to say the great majority of Americans do what they're supposed to do. They get the money, they pay their people, even if they're at home and can't come in and not not even really working. A lot of restaurants kept people on payroll. Uh, some people, they, you know, were in making pizzas and doing carry-out or whatever, but basically, I want to say, Jen, just like most of the time, <laughs> a real lot of people, I'll say, played the game by the rules and did what they are supposed to do. Now, the airlines, and I'm just trying to make a, a connection here between, I don't think the chairman of the airlines ever missed paycheck. And these guys, 
somehow come out of this smelling like a rose, even though they didn't put a plane in here for God knows how long. Uh, and they got and nothing but, you know, leases on these planes, and they must have got incorrigible you know, amounts of money from the government. So in the meantime, they lay off all these pilots that they're supposed to be paying. Now, when you lay them off, you, you drop into the pension program, right? So the money is now no longer coming out of United Airlines. It's the United Airlines pension plan. You force people into retirement. Now, maybe there's some costs associated with them, but that's not the spirit of the PPP, last I checked, or the Employee Retention Act. There's two of them. So all of a sudden now, they're saying they're like thousands of pilots short because they forced all these guys to retire. But wasn't the whole idea of the PPP to keep paying people so they didn't have to do that? That's what I thought. Now, so if you force the guy to retire at age 55, and now the guy's basically sitting on his ass getting a check, and now you need pilots, you have, like, no recourse? you got to pay this guy for the next 10 years? Can't you incent him back somehow? Well, and that article doesn't mention, too, the number of pilots, and I can't quantify it either, but um, uh, the number of pilots who were forced out because of the vaccine mandates. And even if they were that, willing to work, and even if they had been laid off and were going to be brought back, they were they were forced not to work unless they had proof of vaccination. And their only alternative would have been to take retirement, short of being canned and lo- losing everything. So I, I, I think that you know it's, it's one thing to say, well, we're, we we're going to make it impossible for people to work, and we're also going to make it impossible for, for them to earn money, and we're going to make it impossible for the them to come back even if they're ready willing and able because we've got these other hurdles we put in your in your you know i'll bet they don't still have that but maybe they oh, do but no and then united and was the first to sort of back off on it but it was across the board with all their employees and i thought that the pilots was the stupidest thing of all it was the worst place to enforce it because they already were in trouble um you know i, I think that you know the, the if you add the, the lockdowns to the the to the policies to prevent, you know, businesses from coming back to full strength uh, after the threat of the disease seems to dissipate. Um, I, I just can't, uh, you know, th- these businesses have everything coming to them, really, uh, for the stupidity of their policies. And now, of course, you know, when they start lengthening the date, you know, for forced retirement, that, that will get them maybe a few pilots back, but it isn't going to make... The, you know, the friendly skies any safer necessarily. Or any friendlier. Right. <laughs> I'm a lot less friendly now than I was 10 years ago. Oh, God. Well, I got a, this is a real stupid question. If I get uh, forced, uh, encouraged into retirement by United, and I'm 55, can I go fly for Delta and still get my check? Well, you can You can probably still work for them, sure. Um Enough it says I. Enough it says I. A lot of double dipping that goes on in academia, where you know people retire from high-profile administrative jobs and they don't retire at all. So it isn't really early retirement by any definition. Because they just go in and take another job, you know, and continue where they left off, and they they juggle the pension contributions that they're making now as a new employee versus what they're getting already from having retired, and you know they can work it in a way that's still you know. But it, it isn't any kind of retirement that I'm familiar with, Tom. It's well, but it's 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 getting paid, right? So the idea, I mean, of the people who leave the police force, I mean, I, I don't. I, it's not up to me 
to, to define how tough a job is and whether people, quote, deserve it or whatever, all I can tell you is the rest of us can't pay for somebody working 25 years and getting paid for 80. Right. Just saying that those numbers do not compute. You know, whether it doesn't doesn't mean I don't like, <laughs> you know, whoever it is that's retiring early, it doesn't mean anything like that. I'm just saying you can you can retire. I don't give a I don't give a crap. You retire when you're 30. You're not getting your check till you're 65 like everybody else. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, you retire if you're 18 if you feel like it. I just just saying, I, you know, whatever. But I, I guess I'm, the biggest question is these guys that retired and they're getting their check. If they want to go fly, why can't they fly for somebody else? I don't think there's anything stopping them. It sounds. I mean, the way the, way the article is written here by Leslie Josephs, it sounds like these guys are retired and like you killed them or something. Yeah, if, if they want to pay them enough, um, you know, choose the deal however, however they can. Um, I'm sure they could induce you know, these people to come back. Well, so they said so the, here's the, the where it all started. The COVID pandemic halted all pilot hiring and training. Obviously, there's no way two years ago you could have gone and gotten flying lessons. I don't think could you. Nope, I don't think so. Yeah, and uh, so here's here's this here's a guy who took. I feel I walked away at the pinnacle," said one former captain for a major U.S. airline who took an early retirement package in 2020. Now, th- it, so they they've said so he must have been tired of flying. He's, he, mu- he must be paying him enough where he doesn't have to work. They're saying there are twelve thousand pilots uh, behind. But you know, That's the, the, a lot. well, That's the, the, a lot of but the, the game in this, and I always try and stay close to the numbers if I can. But the game in this is that the people who force the retirement, they don't have to pay. They out of out of that bucket, you're not charged with the retirement check, right? That's right. that's that's the bleep up in the whole system. So so I say if you're worried about, I'll go back to the Pullman days where Pullman had a retirement. Uh, plan. It was a was a was I was I'll use the term thirty years ago. It was a regular retirement plan, right, Jan? Right. And all these airlines, all these people, all had the stuff where you had under ERISA laws, you had a you had a, a a pension board, and it was a separate from the company. So, in other words, if Pullman wanted to wanted to cut ten people because they they thought they were you know their expenses were too high, if they forced them into early retirement. The person maybe still got a check, but now the check came out of the Pullman, Pullman pension system and not out of Pullman itself. But so, because Pullman is, is essentially, if you, if you put a big bubble around the whole building, the check's still coming out of, quote, the building, right? But it's not coming out of, one of the, uh, most amazing examples of that is, is your, is if the city, not so much Illinois, okay, or not so, definitely Illinois, not so much Chicago, because unbeknownst to a lot of people, as much crap as you want to give Chicago, which we're going to give a bunch of crap to uh, this, after this weekend, as much of crap you want to give them, they, they meaning us, Jan, because we both live in Chicago, we pay our own, pay or don't pay, our, our, our own retirement system, correct? Right. Where every other, I, I think it's, there's nobody else big enough to have their own, is there? I, I don't think there is. But every other place, like Evergreen Park, Oak Long, Oak Park, whatever it is, they they pay into the state system, and then once the person's on retirement, they're paid by the state. So if you can force ten people in Oak Park to resign or to go to retire retirement and hire people younger for less, even now you in essence have two per, two people in the same job. The big check's coming out of the state of Illinois, and you don't care. Right. 
right. It's not coming out of Oak Park, which is what we're designing this system is, is either a genius or an idiot or both. But best example is uh, one of my family members knows what well, knows of that. I don't think she knows that. There's a lady who was a, a librarian for, I'm going to say, I won't name the city, but a real long time. So she's in her 50s and she's had it raises along the way and she's, you know, making a pretty good buck as a li- librarian. And, you know, I, by the way, she's supposedly very good, been there forever, everybody likes her. Well, you know, if we can get her to retire, we can bring in somebody for less money in in the town that it's in. So they come up with some kind of package, and they I'll say they boot her out at age 61 instead of 65. But now they're still paying her 85% of her money. Now the new girl comes in, and she's uh, not paid as much, but still there's two people in the one job, really. Now the other job is sitting on her, sitting on the sofa or doing something else, or she could have gone to another place, meet a librarian there, which she might be working another place. So get a load of this, John. Now the, the girl number two, being a, a tad younger, uh, does what girls younger's do, which you know that's why we're here. She gets pregnant, so she has a baby. So she's off for six months, given the liberal plan they have there about uh, letting you know people with babies off. So what do you suppose they do? Hire somebody else. No, 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 no. They hire the lady on retirement. Well, there <laughs> if they bring her back on a temporary basis while she's still getting a retirement check. So now you have three people, three checks going for the same job when you had one to start with. So explain to me exactly how we've made progress on this one. Well, you've described exactly the problem, Tom. And when you start, you know, you're changing the a little bit, and instead of having somebody replace somebody for maternity maternity leave, if you have them take on a full-time job again within the system, maybe within the same pension system, um, you've got one person, and you draw the number of arrows to the various funds or pots of money that are sitting around, and how it's being drawn in progressively bigger percentages by a smaller number of people. Um, and of course, the work isn't getting done, probably because you got you still down employees, maybe because you have hiring freeze or whatever else to, to pay for all this nut stuff. Uh, all of a sudden, you don't have a, not only a, a not efficient system, you don't really have a, a system at all. It's just it, it consuming itself. And I think you know the, the airlines are a, you know a situation where the numbers are big because these pilots make you know, excellent money. Um, and you need them, and you need good ones, and you need them to be retrained and certified and everything else. But when you start t- tinkering with the, the whole appetite for air travel, you kill it, you stop training, and then you try to resuscitate it, I can guarantee that you're, you're going to have not only a less efficient system, but a much more costly system when you, when you start to try to put things back together again. And I don't think we've come close to calculating exactly what that means, either in terms of diminish safety because you got people flying past, you know, a normal retirement age, or you got, you know, they're cutting corners elsewhere to pay for this kind of lavish, you know, employment situation. So uh, it's, it's a bad situation. The lockdowns are, are showing themselves more and more to be the reason why we can't return to any kind of normal. That there's no normal now after doing something like that. It's, are you surprised that I just... Um well, I mean, the thing you'd have to do, John, it's why I don't, I don't want to be in any of these jobs because it's, it's, it's not my personality. I, I can I can tell you where the issues are, but I, I don't want to be the guy 
if, you know, I'm not. I, I don't. I don't want to. If I was governor, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like this Pritzker. I don't know what his issues are, but first thing, first thing you you, you need to do is just say you're getting one pension anywhere in the state of Illinois. You're not getting two. Well, that you know that that would you know that would go over you know basically like a fart in church to most people, but. The game where you work 20 years for the county and sleaze your way over to the state and put 20 years into the state or 15 or whatever and you retire with two checks. You know, John, it's got to stop. I mean, we can't, we can't afford it. It's not a question of whether you, 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 you want to stop it. You have to stop it. I mean, the, I mean, in California, and I, 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 I've heard listeners have sent me articles that if you work in the prison system after 20 years, you can retire. Well, first of all, I, that's a, I don't want that job. It's, it's not a question of whether somebody, quote, who works in a jail for 20 years deserves to get out of there. That's not the point. The point is, if the guy starts there, a lady at, at age 25, and, and now they're 45, and they might live to 95, you can't pay somebody for 70 years for 20 years' work. The rest of the people just can't afford it. It's, it, it's not a question of whether... Jim or Jane, you know, is is totally burnt out from working in the prison for forty years. I mean, they might be, you know, to where you okay, you can don't have to do that anymore. We'll guarantee you another job someplace else, whatever it is. You can be a dispatcher, you, you, the, the, but but staying at home, getting paid and go getting another job is just not an option. I, you know, it, it just can't be, John. I'm sorry, but uh, it, but it's just, I guess that's the way of the world. And the weird part is, if there's a scam in the system. And people find the hole and scam it. They think they deserve it. I mean, these, these guys would be outraged if you said, "What do you mean I can't get two or three pensions?" Well, that's that's what it says. People are doing that forever. It's my turn. I I figured out I figured out the scam. I deserve it. It's like what was it? Uh, uh, the Simpsons, the grandfather. I don't know why I'm getting this check, but if it stops, they'll be held to pay, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know. You, but these, these are things that you, you've got to somehow clean up. The system someplace, and, and, it, and it comes down to a a, a moral thing because once you once you decide that, that stealing money from the government becomes is a national sport, then you then you lose respect for all your politicians. You lose respect for your for your basically your your uh, state and local employees. And, and I mean, the last thing you I mean, I mean, Shani would tell you, I mean, they don't do it anymore, according to Lou, but. You can get a full pension after 20 years in the military. And you say, okay, well, gee, I mean, if you've been in the military 20 years, you deserve something. I, I don't deny that. But that was also back when people didn't get paid very much. And now I don't know if they get competitive wage, but it's getting a lot closer. So he says those are the guys that pile right out of there from age 17 to, to 37. They walk right on a police force in, in Florida. And at 57, they retire from there. Now all of a sudden they got two pensions coming in, another security guard, and those are the guys that own the two houses, and they they got the boat. Well, because I mean, at some point, you know, I, I don't know the answer, John, but it, I just know the rest of the world can't cannot even the military here. You you look at the, the defense budget, how much of it is actually weapons and people? Is it even forty percent of the sixty percent pensions and other stuff? I would I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, I don't. I mean, it's not like I don't want to pay people. To, to, to do the right stuff, I'm just saying, it, 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 this has to make sense. Make the make the pension decent. Pay people at the right age. And oh, by the way, if they go get another job, why why are you paying them both? I mean, if they're if they're capable of of working somewhere else, why did why did you give them a pension? Why aren't they still here? 
Yeah, you know, Tom, I'm I'm kind of a, a double dipper myself because I worked for oh, figures, yeah. jobs, you know, for a good part of my life, and then segued into a teaching job where I was in the state university retirement system, you know, midlife or whatever. And when I qualified for Social Security, I took mine early, but it was knocked down because I was, you know, received a pension, and Social Security figures in. You know, since 1982 or whenever when they when they changed the law, uh, they factor in what my pension award was going to be and took that into account against my social security. Plus, you got to pay taxes on it, which you don't own a pension, or they do, or do you? I'm not sure on that. Well, I I, I pay you know I don't pay state income tax, but I pay federal income tax right. pension. But um, the you know the, the I can't remember what the difference was between my social security unchanged had I not had a, a pension. Um, also coming in at the same time, but I, I think it was almost a factor of half. So um, the Windfall Reduction Act, you know, that cut back Social Security because of, of double dipping, was a way to, to save Social Security, if, you know, at least not to deplete it too soon when you had people who already had other retirement you know, plans in the pipeline, and Social Security was not designed to be you know, sort of a, a duplicate nor, so they couldn't do much about what the private sector wanted to do, but they could say, well, we're not going to pay you full freight if you've got another retirement plan after you've left this system. And in some ways I can, I can see their, their point. But, um, you know, you've got such job upheaval today with people not staying in the jobs as, you know, companies in, you know, intended them to, and maybe the people themselves intended to, and you got rid of, you know, health insurance, you know, as part of the employee offerings and everything else, people have it's become this kind of scrounging doggy dog, you know, attempt to get some kind of a retirement together. And I, I suspect most people are working a lot longer now than they ever intended to, and they're still not really in, in a position to retire. And part of the problem is you got people at the other end who are, are just living the high life at a young age, and they're having two or three pensions. And I include legislators and you know, you know, county employees and everything else in that because that's just become. Kind well, of we know a couple of guys who retired as officers in the army and turned around and got his consulting job the next week doing exactly what they were doing in the army, getting paid twice. Right, and you, you can't tell me that that doesn't you know hurt you know the hiring of other people who need jobs. They don't have any possibility of retirement yet, and but if you can get a consultant who's got a lot of you know, years behind him or her. And you've got, you know, who, who cares what else they're getting? We don't want to know about that. We'll pay you some fantastic well, it, money. Well, it, it, it stands the reason, we got to go to break here, that if somebody if somebody's being paid twice, somebody else is not going to get paid once. Paid at all. <laughs> at some point, you know, that's, the, that's the, the biggest thing turned off for a lot of people. Well, we come back, John. Let's talk about what's going on in uh, Chicago and in the markets. Not so much where the markets are going, but the just the mentality of it. Because, boy, I'm dealing with, uh, the like, allegedly new clients. And it's, you know, not that it's not a conversation I don't expect, but it's, uh, it's one that's hard to, it's very difficult to deal with. SP Futures down 10, Azubi's down 52, be right back, Stocks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Suppose you run your business and let me run mine. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. What it. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow. We're going to burn SP futures down only 10 bucks now. NASDAQ futures down 47. Um, is this, uh, is this anybody we know where the, uh, the guy tried to sell the, the mansion for 87 million out in, uh, LA and the bids only came in at like 48 and the guy is furious. Furious. What do you think? Was that Lou? Do we have Giant still? Uh, yeah, here's Tom. Or, uh, was that you trying to sell that mansion and you are oh, furious? No. <laughs> and nobody I, I have ever known or will know. I like the part where he's furious. <laughs> Why is he furious? Because he has so many other debts. He was hoping the 87 mil is going to pay off all his other crap. Uh, well, how, do, what do you, how, how do you find these people? What do, what do you, they got a place worth that much dough. And, uh, oh, by the way, they're in debt up to their eyeballs. Who loans right, them well, all this money? That's why they have the kind of place they do sell. They weren't looking at the, the dollars at all. <laughs> Here, here's another. Here's a good one. Bernanke, remember him? Oh, yeah. It says the Fed's slow response to inflation was a mistake. What do you, what, what, what do you mean slow response? They caused it. I I don't want to go down that road. I just they're let the let the record reflect to the listeners. They're very solemn. At least maybe I sound different, but once in a while, I want to say something from the from from the from the the monetarist chair. The only people that can cause inflation are the, is the government, the Federal Reserve or a central bank or whatever you want to call it. They're the only people because they control the money. They put too much money in, you have inflation. The idea, if, if there was if there was no central bank intervention of too much cash in the system, I'll just say this briefly as I can, John, without much explanation. If all of a sudden 
tomorrow the big guy upstairs waved the wand and, and you couldn't get oil out of the ground or something happened with the pressure in the world where all of a sudden the, the oil doubled. Right? And, no, and the Federal Reserve did nothing. The oil would double, okay, it would cause oil prices to go up. And because people who absolutely needed oil, the inelasticity of the demand for oil would cause the demand curve for every other factor of production to drop just a little bit to where all the other prices would adjust and oil would be higher and everything else would be lower. There would be no general inflation. It would just be oil. Now, if if, that, if you happen to use a lot of oil, well, then you're in trouble. But generally, the, the, the water in the pool stays at the same level. Right, Jen? Yep, yep that's right. How, 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 how few people, especially when you have Bernanke saying stuff like this, and he was once your chief economist, why, why would he keep telling lies to people? Or don't tell them the truth. What, what, at what point do you get elected? Is there some little, I won't say a river like the Rubicon, or, or what's the one in hell? Uh, oh, there's three of them. Uh, Acheron, Leith, and Styx. Oh, God. Well, whatever. <laughs> there, is there a little ditch somewhere that once you become a, you know, a high-powered figure, you get to tell people whatever you want? I mean, I, whatever. Um, what do you make of, uh, I sent you that... Um, the thing from Hey Jackass, right? There's an article in here. Who, who are these guys, Jan? The C. Who writes these articles? This is uh, CWB Chicago. Who are these guys? Yeah, I don't know who that is. Um. But the interesting part is they they talk about the police, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it with uh, with Greg earlier because he was totally outraged because there are always armed robberies in his neighborhood. And I, even though, uh, Johnny, you know I have a serious soft spot for policemen, seeing my dad was one, my uncle was one, my grandfather was one. Um, I, I, t- I, I don't know who's leading this, this group of people. Uh, they, they're some of the nicest, smartest people I've ever met, and yet, I don't know what the hell, they're, they're, they seem behind the curve to me. I just, anyway, you can't tell me there's no connection between, well, let me just read the article here. CWE Chicago, again, who that is, has tracked 18 large group incidents in the loop, Millennium Park and the Magnificent Mile since April of 2019. CPD's strategy for handling this situation has not changed, nor is the result. There's a, there's a shout out, right? After the teen was shot Saturday, now we're talking about our single biggest tourist attraction, if it's not, it used to be Buckingham Hound, it's probably Millennium Park, isn't it? Oh yeah. Well, you can't you can't have this crap happening in Millennium Park on a Saturday night. I'm just saying, John. Whether we got to have a stop and frisk in the loop area, whatever it is, you got to stop it. I mean, uh, because whatever you're doing, you're losing. Uh, so, as the team was shot on Saturday evening, Chicago police leaders followed the same playbook that has failed to contain similar groups in the past. They closed the park at 8 p.m., which forced the group onto the streets of the loop where street cops zigged and zagged in a futile t- effort to keep the situation contained. They're just not ready for it. So they end up then, start by radio, evidently, calling people in from all the other districts to the loop, which immediately, if uh, don't these guys have a way to communicate with each other where they don't have to tell everybody else what they're doing? So then all of a sudden, these all these armed robberies start up on in wherever Greg lives in the far north side. I mean, all these people know that the police have just been called to the central district. I mean, Jack, can we beat can we beat us collectively stupid? We've 
done everything we can, really, Tom. Our politicians and you know the people with the big megaphones in Washington um, to demonize the police and and the work they do, and even the need for having police. I mean, look at look at all the the, the crazy talk in places like Portland and Minneapolis to defund and you know to disarm police, uh, as if this is not some kind of a check on the very things that we're seeing here. And even if they if they're not hacking into police radios, by by that I mean whoever is leading these trends, as I guess they're, they're calling these spontaneous you know organizations of people to assault the, the peace. Even if they don't hack the, the police radios, they know that if they can start a big enough incident with enough people, any place in the city is going to cause police to be moved from elsewhere, leaving you know drug you know open air drug markets exposed. They can flourish when there's no police presence at all around because they've all been summoned to the loop. And even, you know, nearby areas that normally would be police because they already have their own crime problems. You you distract the police, and the police are already down, what, almost 2,000, I think, officers um, over the last two or three years. Um, There's no way they can boost recruitment fast enough um, to make up for that. And they also don't seem to have enough backup when it comes to, you know, the mayor or other people to really give them a much freer hand to deal with this. So you've got the police who cannot stop and frisk. You've got police who cannot, you know, take preventative action, really. They, they can only react to situations well, I mean, that are I think already the, out of hand. I think and, that's in their, some of that's in their own mind. Some of that's in their own mind. I mean, the every, every you try and drive around here, every four hours it seems, six hours, eight hours, there's a there's either a major traffic incident or some expressway is closed or picking up shells or something. Jan, I drive expressways every weekend. Maybe if you stop people from going 90 to 100 miles an hour and driving on the shoulder and motorcycles flying up in between cars, maybe you wouldn't have so many accidents where you got to close the expressway. You, you can't just... You can't just allow mayhem to occur, and when there's a crack-up, you close the place down and 48 cops show up. That's, that's not... you got to stop it before beforehand. you got to... Well, look at the, you know, the shortage of police we have, and, and that doesn't even factor in the fact that the Chicago police don't patrol the interstates. So, when it, when, you know, the most egregious speeding violations are, are under the jurisdiction of the Illinois State Police, which are few and far between, let me tell you. Well, but I bet if you went to, the, I don't do this, but I bet if you went to the casino, you'd find them all there. Yeah, probably. Well, that's, that's you know, the, the same thing we're talking about with the Chicago Police, too. This, somehow it's, it's been decided that this is, these are the high-risk areas, this is where we have to focus, and, and we don't much care what goes on elsewhere. Which would you and rather do, hang I around? Hate, a- I hate the, the, the mayor really kind of seems to be, you know, the, the biggest problem is in my vantage point, because she let this happen, you know, in 2020 on two occasions. Had she called in the guard the first time and shown whose side she was on, you know, we're not going to tell her this, and if we don't have a strong enough police presence, for whatever reason, we'll get police from the, from the state militia. Had she done that and said, this is how we're going to treat people who do this, from now on, this, this is just a shot across the bow. We don't have to shoot anybody to make this kind of a statement. We, we wouldn't have had the kind of situation that's developed here. I doubt if we would have had the repeat mess in August of 2020 or the, the things that are happening now with alarming regularity downtown because we, we knew we would have had a, a mayor who was, this was kind of toxic behavior in such a way that I don't care if, if the police 
that, I'm going to make sure somebody can. And she, she blissfully ignored the real risks. And look, here, here, what did we spend on Millennium Park, Tom? Oh, for fortune. And then when we put the bean on top, it was so heavy, we had to go reinforce it. Then we ended up, uh, <clears throat> didn't we end up using half the money from uh, Black 37 or something? We, 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 we grossly over, overspent it, I think. Right, and, and you know, the reason it was touted as being such a necessary thing is because that whole stretch of Grant Park was about the seediest thing in the city for years, for decades, since the Depression, really. And it was full of, of you know, homeless people sleeping out in the open air, drug use, sex, everything was going on there. And it was, well, we got to fix this because we, this is a terrible thing to have right next to Michigan Avenue. So let's put this world-class park in there. But unless you maintain it, and you make it safe, you don't have anything better than what you try to replace. I, I look around here, and, and there's so many bus self shelters that have been built for bus stops along Foster and Lawrence Avenue, and these things are not cheap. They've got the you know transit information on the crawl on you know, both sides of the shelter so you can see when the next bus is and so on. And they're, well, half of them are taken over by homeless cultures. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. You, you can't sit on them. You wouldn't want, you can't stand under them to get in out of the rain or anything else. We could have saved everybody a lot of money by not building any bus shelters. Well, Jan, this, this is, is a, let them be used this for. is a, a major movement of some kind. And I am not the psychologist, our buddy Dr. Blade or somebody. At some point, I mean, this is not, I mean, I'm, how does this sound? Sounds awful. You gotta take a page out of, uh, what other people have done, uh, you know, and, and this isn't necessarily, I don't want to have to do this, but you, you you don't just, at some point you have to, you have to take the people from, the homeless people down here from somewhere. You have to take all these kids, first of all, we spent God's fortune on every camera on earth, and you can't tell me, the police, if they're, if they're mindful, can't tell you God, it looks like there's 500 young people all of a sudden on the red or green or whatever it is line coming downtown. And guess what? They all got off at Randolph. Where do we think they're going? I mean, does every all of a sudden there's a bunch of uh, crazies coming off the Dan Ryan and parking in these four, these eight lots, and they're all heading to Millennium. How, how do we not know this? We got the the, the place is 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 totally totally mic'd up, lined up, photoed up. And yet we don't seem to be able to put two and two together. Now, but at some point, you're going to have to take a, uh, eight buses and one of these episodes and pour all these young people on them, and they're going to say, where are we going? We'll let you know when we get there. And you've got to pull into Joliet or someplace and say, this is the new spot. By the way, we're all staying here for the weekend, and we're going to interview everybody. And we're going to find out, is anybody going to school? How old are you? Do you have a home? Is a home with your mom and dad? I'm going to say no. Is it your grandmother? Is it with another gang member? We're going to find out all there is to know about you. We're just going to dump you back. And same way with the homeless people. Are you employable? Are you do you have a mental problem? Should you be in Tinley? Should you be someplace? I mean, do you need help? We, somehow along the line, John, we're going to have to do this. Or I mean, and I, I, I think I think you can do it in a way where you're helping people and not screwing with their rights, but. You don't just put people back out on the street and expect it not to happen next weekend. Or when nobody's that stupid, are we collectively? I hope not. Uh, well, you know, a lot of this stuff, Tom, can be, tra- as you say, it can be tracked long before it erupts into something like what happened Saturday night, or, or is happening pretty much every Saturday night somewhere in the city. 
but you know every every transit station has at least one person sitting there the whole time usually not doing very much of anything but there's there is somebody there and whether the, you see a mob of kids coming in jumping turnstiles or paying fares you kn- you know gee we had you know, I just saw 200 people enter the you know red line at 55th street where are they going I bet they're going downtown I'm going to call ahead you know it's and have the, the CTA where there's some influx, an, an unusual influx of people. They know exactly pretty much how many people use those stations every day and during what hours. I would hope somebody's oh, yeah. making that at the CTA. And if they can't make decisions on where this is going to end up downtown and have police already there to disperse crowds before they ever get out of the transit system, yeah, um, it would be better. And you know, I, I know that the, there have been instances they don't get talked about very much, where they you know they pile these people onto buses as soon as they get off the, the trains and take them somewhere else and put them back on the red line or the brown line or whatever else under police escort. We don't know the half of, of how much that you know has depleted resources too, but it, at least it's diffusing situations that could likely be much worse. The, the thing is, we, we got all this data, we got all these cameras, um, and what we don't have is, you know, the desire to use it and, and to use it in an aggressive well, but to manner. To be able to not be able to, to make it work, so. the, there needs to be, and I'm, I'm not all for being able to shake anybody down whenever you feel like it, but in situations like that, there needs to be some way to to, to uh, have a stop and frisk in those in certain areas, at certain times, at certain age. I, I don't know what it is, Dan, but you got to be able to do it because it. Okay, how many of how many of you two hundred idiots have guns on you? Either. Either everybody has to walk through a, a portable metal detector or something. And, and you know what? If you if you pull fifty guns out of there, guns aren't cheap. Maybe they won't come down again next week. You know, I don't know what. It, it's not just it's not just people from the hood coming someplace. It's it, it's endemic all over the place. I think it's it's a total lack of respect for anything that that the law happens to be. It's the same way in you know in high schools. I mean, hell, at Marist, the thought that the that the uh, no, nobody would even have, have cigarettes in their locker because they would look at people's lockers. Not that they, I mean, do you really have privacy rights in somebody else's building? I don't know. I don't think so. Do you? You didn't at Mount Carmel High School. Oh, you sure as hell didn't. I mean, it's. I mean, it, there was never any problem with any of this stuff. Nope. And uh, now all of a sudden, you know, I, it, there's just. But John, let's get get toward the markets. We have, uh, and I, as you know, I mean, I'm on the air, so it's it's not like I, I don't give opinions on things like other people do but I'm really very conscious when it comes to investment opinions A, what I can say and B, what I wouldn't say anyway but I don't I don't see how I talk to people and when somebody when somebody of, of some kind of consequence touts something I mean I uh, we used to be, be uh, uh, sponsored by the Wine Discount Center which is now VIN. By the way, I still buy, buy my stuff there. there. There was an issue between a couple of the people. Anyway, they don't sponsor us anymore. Um, the, uh, so one of the guys called me one day, and he said, you know, when you have people, I used to have people over on Sunday before COVID. No, nobody wants to come north. Uh, he said, whenever you say you had the wine of the week last week and people came over and really liked it, he says, you know, we, we sell out. It's more on the score, so we had a big station. Because, you know, we sell out the next day. I'm, t- I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, 500 bottles, but if I have 50 left, they're gone. And he said, I'm never going to ask you to do that. It's just, just so you know, because people know you're not a wine snob. <laughs> if you say something was good, you had people over for pasta, 
That's mostly what people are looking for. Hey, it wasn't all expensive. It was pretty good. And by the way, I had people over and they liked it. So I mean, you're never going to get me to. You're never going to say everybody should go buy turtle eggs from Zimbabwe because they're going up tomorrow. I won't do that at all. Let alone because I know there's going to be somebody somewhere who probably shouldn't is going to go buy the damn things, right? Or buy buy Zimbabwe turtle egg futures or something. And I I don't want I don't want that responsibility. But I tell you, it's 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 endemic all over the place. Jan. I talked to a couple people in the last few weeks. Everybody's got this Nvidia stock. When I say everybody, a lot of people doing concentrated issues, and it's it's, been, it's the favorite of everybody on CNBC. Now I don't know. I'll, I'll admit I don't know beans about the company other than that they make chips. And uh, well, then Kramer day, name his dog Nvidia or something. Well, I, a couple people called last week, and uh, you know we they, we had been talking to them and uh, maybe protecting some stuff and you know. And I keep my one thing I say is I'm not a very good marketer, but uh, one thing I said was, look, if you if you want me to help you, or you think you might want me to help you, open up an account. We do our well, this one firm does their uh, uh, investment advising out of uh, interactive brokers, which is separate from PTIs. Uh, we you can become a, a client here at PTI, and, and we can you can choose one of two clearing firms. IB is one of them. The other one's RBC, and there's reasons why you want to be at one or the other. Anyway, they're, they're separate. So I said, just open up an account, because it used to be, back in the good old days, if you want to open up an account in the morning, John, you could trade that afternoon. Well, now by the time we got to check you through Interpol and every other damn thing on earth. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that you were talking about last week. Oh, it's, 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 <laughs> they, 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 keep, they keep pushing the police powers down to the firm. Right. So it's, it's my brother's job to make sure you're not a worldwide scoundrel. Now, where that became his job, I have no idea, because you don't have a record here, you don't have anything, there's nothing, you know. But it's up to him to check Interpol and God knows where else to see if you're wanted in India or someplace. Uh, anyway, so it, it takes a while. I said, open up the account. You never have to fund it. You never have to fund it. Um, and just and So if it's two weeks now, you decide you want me to help you with some protected stuff or you have a concentration issue, which means... You got a million dollars, nine hundred thousand of which is in one stock. That's a concentration issue. So even though you like the stock, you know you, you get all your wealth in one spot, which generally you don't want to not do unprotected, at least in my opinion. But people do. So of course now we get two calls last week where uh, you need to, you need to help me. Well, how exactly can I do that? Well, I lost. I'm down like you know eight hundred grand in Nvidia. God's sake, what were you doing? You know, I mean, it, how exactly do you help after, and then you're even, it's even worse off, John. What do you think of it now? Well, it's still 40 times earnings. And that's the real hard about, hard part about what, what I do is that there was, a, there, was, there was some old fart on TV because I'm an old fart. I get it. He, he said, he goes, some of these stacks, they're down 70%. He goes, but if you look at the PE ratios and how much they were, either were going to make or, or did make during COVID, some of the COVID stocks. He goes, the P ratios are worse now, not 70% than they were then. And I've looked at that and I go, God, I, I, I never even thought of it that way. I mean, you learn, you do learn from a lot of people. And I, So somebody says, well, what do you think about it now? We don't have to insure anything now, do we? And I'm like, I don't know that. Neither do you. <laughs> I, I would like to think that at, at 175, the thing's done going down from 
you know, whatever, 290 or some crap. But I don't know that. And now the price of insurance is to the moon. It's like you feel like the guy who said, Jan, you know, you really should get some fire insurance on this house. Eh, I don't need it. And all of a sudden I get the call. Okay, guess what? The, the, the guy on either side of me seemed to have flame coming out of the roof. How about that insurance now? And I go, price has just gone up a little bit, buddy. I mean, what can I tell you? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand how people get, get talked into these. These are the same people, Jan, that, that again, I'm not giving investment. They would, wouldn't roll their car down the driveway without insurance. The, the thought of somebody, people have incredible amounts of their wealth in the market, especially now that we haven't paid, we, people haven't paid interest on in anything for 10 years, which is, I think is it will end up causing more damage, more heartfelt damage than anything we've ever done. Because people are way, way too much in, I'm talking about people that are 70, 80 years old. And the funny part of it is the, the, the FINRA people, demand all this as people get older you're supposed to do this and this and this and this Man, all these people know they're not getting a dime in the bank and they want to be in the, ne- the stock that's going up next week Finra could say all they want about how they're, how they're quote, supposed to behave but try try talking to a 75 year old and putting money in the bank at zero instead of some stock you just heard about on TV good luck with that conversation you can't expect people to be rational when the no. system is so irrational the system right, right now is totally irrational there, there's, there's no we're starting a little bit there's no risk-free return for anybody unless you want. Or we're up to what? One percent? Well, that, that's not going to get anybody. If in you're it. lucky. If you're lucky, as I'm finding. Right. Uh, you, well, you could get. Uh, well, here's here's the thing. If, if you want to get a, a, a ninety-day T bill, you can get one percent. Or if you go out a little bit further, you can get one and a half or two. But the point is, you get you got to pay fifty bucks to get it. If it's ten thousand dollars, you just want your interest. Right, and, you, and you've tied up your money, yeah. and you've tied up your money. So what I'm saying is, the the rea- we, we've 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 dropped into all sort of lack of rationale. Bitcoin being one of them. Anything that's going up, people want to get involved in, and and it's I don't know. I don't. I I, I see this as, as a potential train wreck. I sure hope it does not happen. Yeah, but the psychology of it is, you know, it's almost like people think if you have a negative vibe about Apple or Apple's the number one. If, if Apple drops to 100. I don't know what I'm not saying. Boy, I'm sure it doesn't. But if it does, I mean, there, there's people they, they they genuflect every day the shrine of Apple. These are these are investments. Those people don't care about you. You can't care about them. It's an investment. Yeah, that kind of sentiment has never resonated with me, Tom. I think you know if if you think that this is some kind of a you know protection for you because of this name is associated with all these fuzzy feelings you surrounded it with. I don't care what it is. It's very similar to, uh, except one, all you do is buy tickets. It's very similar to being some some crazed Bears, Cub, or Sox fan. They don't care about you. Right. The, I, this is what really, it breaks my heart to see these people who are you know, practically you know, like house servants of companies that give two blankly blanks about them. Yeah. You're doing the footwork for them. You're singing their praises. You're showing up. You're paying the prices. You know, you you are the least important people in that operation. Let me tell you. Well, I know my my uncles were so so football crazed. You know, my grandmother didn't care. She didn't pay attention to them. But the uh, you know, if dinner was wasn't like at halftime of the bear game. They were like upset. Yeah, when they both died, I didn't see anybody from the bears at the wake. <laughs> you know, just just saying. So. What uh, what do you what do you think the summer is, is Jan? You haven't. You only got a couple of minutes, but you the the buildings down here. 
I uh, our building wants an increase in rent. I mean, I heard you twenty percent increase, Tom. Yeah. Jeez. What what do you so what are you hearing about what happens to a building like one seventy five which you mentioned is in receivership? What happens to their tax bill? I mean the the revenue in the place has got to be down sixty percent from three years ago. I mean, the, are these tax bills on the brick and mortar, or are they on revenue, or both? Well, they're, they're both, and because it, the, the value of the building is in its um, you know, return, really. I mean, it, it certainly there is. It occupies land, and you know, it's got square footage and clothes and everything else. But when you look at the value of the building, it's all tied up with its ability to produce rent. And, you know, these will be protested, as they, as they should be. I mean, there's no reason why you should be paying full freight on a tax bill if your property is, you know, f- you know, practically uninhabitable, not because it's in danger of falling down, but because you can't find anybody to rent it. And this is, you know, the, the spiral we're in because the county can't afford that kind of, you know, collapse um, on a big, you know, front where you've got all these especially older loop buildings, not just older, but definitely the, the ones that are, you know, 60 to 100 years old now, they are the last ones that are going to be able to be, you know, retrofitted and refurbished. They've already been refurbished a couple times already, and all these buildings are running out of options. You know, the apartment phrase, I think, is dead. There isn't going to be any attractiveness in living downtown the way we're going. So what do you do with these buildings? You know, to demolish them is no cheap enterprise either. But in the meantime, there are going to be drags on tax revenue, and there are also going to be drags on surrounding values of, of everything in the loop, whether it's studio apartments or you know, rental space, or you name it. Um, and the, the city and the county can't afford that kind of financial drain, but it looks like that's what we're facing. Well, yeah, there were three people, two people shot right in front of 300 South State. Isn't that right in front of the dorm? How, what if your, your kid is, is living there? You're not happy about that. Yeah, I mean, I was downtown Tuesday night with, with a friend of mine from Nebraska, and I didn't, you know, at the time I didn't know this had happened until a couple days later. But there was somebody shot on Michigan Avenue right where I was standing, you know, a couple hours earlier, and I walked back to, to across the loop to her hotel to see that she got back there safely, and I didn't feel any too safe, you know, oh, even yeah. with somebody else, let alone you know by myself after I dropped her off. And I was I was damn glad to get out of downtown. Last Tuesday night, it was a complete. Well, maybe we can weasel you in a concealed carry class or something. Hey, who would have thunk, Tom? I know. Who Not John Flanagan, concealed carry. <laughs> S&P futures down three, Nasdaq futures down ten. Be, be, be right back, Ms. Audrey Johnson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 
online on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al, Mr. Matt Burner on the board. Hey, we hopped under the plus here. SP Futures up four. As the Futures up 12. We were up last night. The Chinese numbers came out. Then we ducked the other way. And now it looks like we're heading up. Maybe we'll be up two days in a row here. It's been a while. Uh, say Dow Futures are up 30. Individual stacks in the Dow. I've got uh, not much really doing anything. I've got uh, a CVX up 78 cents, which is interesting. The last time we looked, oil was down. Walmart's up 45 cents. It's... Slow morning so far. I mean, very slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we here? Let's go over to uh, over Europe. We've got the uh, DAX down 91.6%. FTSE up 2. Call that flat. Ekron down 12, only 0.2%. It was done a little more earlier. Renasia, uh, not much happening here either. Nikkei up, up 119.4%. Shanghai down 10.3%. Hang Seng up 51.2%. So uh, Chinese stocks were down after the economic numbers disappointed some, but they're not down very much. Uh, Friday big rally, Dow up 466, S&P up 93, NASDAQ up 434, which is almost 4%. So big move in that. Bonds uh, down 2 basis points, 2.91. The Bund uh, up 4 basis points, trying to get over 1% at 0.992. Japan unchanged at 0.25. Oil uh, up 8, I'm sorry, down 88 cents, 109.61, but still pretty darn high. Rent on 105, 110.50. Natural gas up 17 cents. 783, trying to make it at eight, 8 bucks again, as we talked about earlier with, uh, Mr. Greg Pappas. Our Bob up a penny, 397. Uh, it was 376, nine, something like four, I'm sorry. Four at the, when I f- didn't fill up the suburban. I keep thinking it's gonna go down the next week and it doesn't ever do that, it seems. Uh, gold down 490, 1803, still trying to stay above 1800 so far. So doing that. Silver up 17 cents, 2117. Copper up a penny, 418. We got Bitcoin down 212 to 30,089. I think this thing is somewhat key here to the market is, uh, starts to head down. There seems to be a lot of leverage on this Bitcoin. And I just don't want all the dominoes to fall because I think it really does affect the market if it happens. Mm. Never thought I'd say that. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. It's currently 7.36 a.m. on Monday, May 15, 2022. In sports, last night, Bucks at uh, Boston against Celtics. Celtics win 109-81. to uh, Mavericks away in Phoenix against Suns. Mavericks win 123-290. to 
In the NHL East first round of finals, Pittsburgh Pirates at New York Rangers. Rangers win 4-3. In the West first round, Calgary Flames beat Dallas Stars 3-2. In Chicago weather, mostly sunny, humidity at 85%, uh, currently 55 degrees, a high of 78 and a low of 54. In Phoenix, clear skies, 76 degrees, a high of 103, and a low of 73. Now to traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound in Eisenhower between East North Avenue all the way to downtown, traffic westbound in Eisenhower between Costner Avenue and First Avenue, traffic eastbound in the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue and all the way to downtown, traffic westbound in the Kennedy between downtown and North Nagel Avenue, traffic for a change on the westbound, uh, westbound on the Edens between West Montrose and Dempster, and traffic eastbound on the Edens between Tui and the ramp at 90 East. Uh, traffic westbound the Dan Ryan between West Garfield Boulevard and Taylor Street. Traffic northbound Stevenson between Route 171 and South Kedzie Avenue. And finally, traffic northbound Lakeshore between ramp at, from the Stevenson to Ur Randolph Street. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Do we have Miss Miss Jansen? Yes, we do. How are you? I'm fine. It's a beautiful morning in town. Uh, this was, you know, if this guy would have. Using uh, Home Source Realty, Audrey's establishment, this would not have happened. This flashy Bel Air mansion was listed at $87.8 million, flopped at auction, and the seller is furious. Now, if that if you'd had, if you hired you, Art, like you should have, you'd have got more. $87 million. Yeah, the bid came in at like 45 The minimum was like 50 so it didn't even, didn't even reach the minimum. So he was willing to sell for fifty, but put it up at eighty six. Well, that was a minimum. I don't know if he was—he he wasn't all that willing there, but I, I think it would have. Uh, so there was no interest all the way around. That should tell you something about your house. Well, when you when you when you decide that you owe all the rest of the people in the world money and you need eighty million to pay them all off, it doesn't exactly equal the value. You might tell the guy one has nothing to do with the other. Well, that is a. Uh, a standard thing that you'll hear from a lot of people over the, I've heard from a lot of people over the years that have a lot of my realtor friends is when a seller will come to you and say, well, I need this much money from the sale of my house. Well, yeah. we all need a lot of things, but the point is what is the market value of your house? And sometimes it's difficult for people to truly look at the value of their whole house objectively, no matter what price level it is. But you are, you know, when somebody says that in your your role as the as the classy real estate agent, you're not going to revert back to your uh, CBOE roots and say people in hell want ice water, do you? Well, I think what you have to say it in a nice way, only that's, for that's their benefit. I mean. That's what um, I mean. You give them the same message, but, but you're, uh, what you could <laughs> only do is give people the facts, and then it's. At the end of the day, it's their house. They can choose what to do with it and what price they want to price it at, but they have to be... They're hiring you for your knowledge and education. And while they not, may not always listen to anyone in the beginning, and eventually the only price determination is the market, not what I want, not what they want, is what is the market willing to bear for the price of your house in the condition it is, in the location it is. And it's simply a, fa- a fact-based thing. It's not anything about, wow, my house is a $300,000 house, but in this hot market, maybe I can get five for it. You know, the, unfortunately, that's just not how it works. No. Um, it, it's always interesting when there, there is 
some uh, similarities between what you do and what I do uh, in that people people hire you for your expertise then know more than you sometimes well sometimes people are just looking for reinforcement about what they think yeah and they don't like it if, if, if you tell them something but again I'd tell I would be realtors are supposed to work in your client's best interest so we need to tell people what we see back it up with the facts research our experience but what people choose to do with the information on a buy or sell side is up to them. Well, most of the time, so, I'm going to say... Again, it's the lead a horse of water thing. You can tell people something. You want to tell them the right thing to help them accomplish their goals, as you say, in your side of the business, in any business. You want to help your client. You want them to be happy. But there's only so much you can do with when, if people want to believe something. But I would say that even though... Sometimes the topic of conversation is the person who thinks their place is worth six hundred thousand when it's only worth four. I say most of the time it's the other way around. A person thinks it's worth two eighty, and you say, "Well, if you if you do any of these little type of plays, make it look a little better, it looks like it could be more like two ninety five. I mean, I'm going to say you walk it up more. More the 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 the, uh, the egregious moments are when people think it's worth twice as much, but most of the time you're walking it up for people, aren't you? Well, it has happened a few times, and sometimes, again, people aren't objective about their own property, including myself. Nobody's objective about anything they own, their house, their dog, their kids. You could never be truly objective, I believe, about your own things because you love them no matter what they are, and we always think our stuff's better than anybody else, even if we don't say it out loud. (laughs) It's hard to be that, but people who... um, a lot of times people can't visualize of how, say, okay, if the room is purple and if we paint it white, more people will like it. Or maybe if you, you know, replace a worn-out carpet with some new wood flooring, you'll get another $10,000 out of the house. So and sometimes people just need to know that or think about it. If you've looked at a certain situation for years, Sometimes somebody just needs to present it a different way for people to go, I see what you're talking about. Well, plus your, your buyers have changed. I mean, when I was doing, like, rehabbing in houses, the last thing I wanted was sort of some knucklehead to, to think he fixed the place up that I was going to tear apart the room anyway. I mean, I, I was, that was my job, was to see through it, and I'd say, okay, the guy's kitchen was a mess, but I didn't care. It was the right size. I didn't have to break down any walls and have a structural engineer tell me I was going to have the place fall apart. It was the right size. I can do the stuff in the room. I mean, I I don't. But other. But now the world has changed, and the people you deal with now, most people want to just they don't want any of this stuff. They just want to walk right in. They they just had the baby. The last thing they want is plastered us around the baby. Uh, you know, they they want to walk right in and put their stuff in the fridge and turn on the stove and cook dinner. I mean, it's a different world, right? It's very different people, and it's not even just uh, young couples. Uh, people of all ages are so used to the HGTV phenomenon that they think that all houses should be in moving condition and so exactly to their taste. So a lot of people have made a very good living by catering to that, and people will pay for pretty. Not always substance, but a lot of times they will pay for pretty to be able to move in. So a lot of times you have to be careful that the flashes that what you're seeing is covering up a poor job or 
problems. So you always have to be cautious what you're looking at. So I always, just because, you know, Audie's my favorite person, I have to give her a little bit of grief at all times, so I'm going to give you some grief here. How would you price... Oh, good. How would you price a... What should I need before my coffee? Yeah. How would you price a stealth... Matt, feel free to pile in on this. How would you price a stealth DJ booth that rises out of the living room floor by hydraulics? Ooh. How about a black marble-clad car gallery? Is that, is that a garage? A gallery? And a glass and marble bridge suspended above the foyer. Those pluses or minuses, huh? I would say it sounds very 1980, and uh, probably nobody wants it. Can you, can you imagine, like, if you had a bunch of people over, and all of a sudden... I thought somebody, you were going to say a stealth bomber for a minute, and that would say that'd be a little bump by pay grade. Oh, well, um, all of a sudden somebody... You know, can, somebody it all sounds very 1980. I'd like to know when this house is... Is that the mansion you're talking about? Yeah, no, how, how would you like to be sitting there with a whole bunch of people, and all of a sudden you get, like, Matt Byrne coming up from the floor in a, by hydraulics in a glass thing playing albums or something? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's probably like people just watch too many nightclubs and uh, watch too many programs. What, but, as they say, there's a buyer for everything at the right price. Oh, you got to, you got I mean, This is way above my pay grade. What exactly is a car gallery? Is that a fancy garage? I think it's but either one of those fancy garages or like the two or three story ones where you have the high draws, lifts, and elevators so you can move your cars up and down to different floors, and then they spin around on the turntables. You can just drive out without backing out. Yeah, they're almost like large garages, uh, almost like like a um, like, like a how would like you a high rise garage or something. Exactly. Yeah, like a, a parking block instead of a, instead of a parking lot. You know, uh, a, a parking garage, um, and it's just very wide, lots of space for cars. Exactly, Matt. Mm. A big showcase for all your toys. Well, I know of, I know of three. Uh, different areas that use turntables. One of them you you saw recently. Well, not that much re- that recently, odd. They used the turntables at the end of the cable car line in Frisco. Remember? Well, that made sense. Yeah. You know where they also used them uh, in locomotive for the old steam locomotives because they they couldn't. They I remember only, that. They could only go one way. So you have turntables would spin them. Or you take you'd pull them into the barn and you'd fix them all up, Matt, and you'd. And, you, and then you'd, you'd have the turntable, you'd spin around and drive them out. And you know what else had one? You guys should know this. Who? Batman. <laughs> Who? Batman. Oh. Of course. <laughs> yeah. That's right, he did. It's a Batmobile. <laughs> he pulled I it. have one that you probably don't know about. Where? All right, local trivia. Actually, I'd love one and, uh, On Archer Avenue, across from Resurrection Cemetery, there used to be the end of the line for the streetcar and the trolleys in a building called the Landmark, which ended up being a banquet hall to basically cater to funeral luncheons forever. And that was the end of the line. And they reversed them there um, to go back downtown to, to the city. Well, Matt, a little uh, favor. And, of course, I get all this information from our previous guest, Mr. John Flanning, and knows all this stuff. My my family, my Irish side of the family, is all buried in Mount Olivet, which is way down 111th Street. And we're, oh, I'd talking about Resurrection Cemetery is at Roberts Road, a long, long way from anybody in the city. Mm. And yet there's people that are buried there from like 1900. Oh, definitely. You it, know, my, my family is actually buried I, I, Irish roots as well. The whole uh, family plot is up in uh, Calvary Cemetery. Where's that? Uh, it's uh, not up near Evanston. 
Okay. So if you ever want to pay homage to the... The, the to, Burns group. To, to, to the Burn clan, as it were. Well, my thought always was, how the hell did people get from back of the yards or Bridgeport out to Mount Olivet, 111th Street, you know, between Kedzie and Western? And well, evidently... Well, wasn't that far? Well, back when... Uh, I'm they talking nineteen hundred. Street cars. They well, had uh, buses. They had uh, the electric buses for a long time. They had a street car that went down. Before that, it. there was uh, horse and buggies. And well, at that time, people wanted cemeteries on the outskirt of the city uh, because that was far enough away. There was plenty of open land to expand for burial grounds, which is why uh, there's so many out in. Uh, you know, for the, uh, where's Forest, is the Forest Park where all the most dead people in the, uh, Yeah, there's more dead people than alive people. more dead people than alive people, yeah. But I'm saying, so Jan Flanagan. That's another part. So cemeteries raised the city to keep, uh, you know, at that time, death, decay, whatnot, out of the general population area. Well, Jan Flanagan said there was a streetcar that went down Halstead to Vincennes on the 11th and went down to Mount Albert. Mm-hmm. The same thing with Resurrection. There was a streetcar that went to yeah. the cemetery so people could go visit. So, okay, what's, what's the market now? How much is the, uh, the mortgage rates? Um, are, are they, they seem stable here, at least the last month or two, at this little over 5% number. It doesn't look like they're heading to 7 anytime soon. Oh, no, they're well over 5.5. They're 5.5 to 6 bouncing around. The, they've been up there for the last couple of weeks. Really? And that's for people with good credit? Right. They're still... Still going to the same place. They're still Fannie Freddie, right? There's no. What, what about a jumbo? What, are they a real mess? Um. Well, I think if you're a mess, you're just going to pay more for it. I honestly haven't uh, checked the rates with Nancy on a jumbo uh, in a while, but you're probably running maybe a quarter to a quarter to a half over. How, how big is a? Where, where does Fannie and Freddie? Where do they tap out on? They used to, they used to tap out at six. It's got to be way over that now. Yeah, I think depending uh, a lot of times it's geographical, but I think you're up to seven fifty. Okay, so they'll do something that high. Okay. What uh depends on the area, depends on the type. I know that you're some of the stuff that you found that are, are specific to what people actually want, like a really nice moving townhouse or something, those prices are still it but the panic has somewhat subsided across the board from last year, hasn't it? In terms of fifteen you know, people bidding out, out, you know, way high for houses and stuff, or is that still happening? No, actually, it's far, um, actually, I think it's busier, and the prices are, have still been escalating since January, from January to now, prices have been, um, people are still fighting over limited supply houses, so it's resulting in multiple offers, Bid, uh, prices, go, houses going over list price, people waiving, uh, inspections, waiving appraisals, uh, providing all type of, uh, incentives for buy, uh, buyers, sellers to choose their offer over other buyers. Wow. Uh, it's, it's, so it's, it's, it's very tough on everybody. It's, it's very hard on the buyers. They can lose multiple houses a lot of times, uh, to other buyers. The competition is very fierce. It's very difficult for agents uh, to get their clients a house because you might be competing about with anywhere from 5 to 15, 20 buyers for the same house so that everybody's jockeying for positions. So an agent might take an agent out, uh, buyers out, 
if they find the perfect house, lose it, look at another, you know, three, four, five, ten houses before they want to bid on that, maybe write another offer, lose that one. So it could become very frustrating for a buyer to be looking at 10, 20, 30 houses, 40 houses and more before they're finally able to get the house they want. So, you know, in, in this market, you really have to have um, an agent who gets it, moves quickly, gets the, gets the buyer to move quickly, make decisions, and to understand what it's going to take to get the house they want within reason. Well, I know you just, uh, you know, not talking out of school, you would just had a, had a buyer that, uh, that you showed them a place, they wanted it, so they, they basically outbid everybody. But one of the things they did was, and I think you were marginally okay with it since you knew like who the seller was he was a builder the place was done very very well because he lived there himself and you had sold other stuff by that builder and the stuff really hangs in there very well and when the person waived the inspection you weren't too horrified but i have to believe that in most cases you'd be pretty horrified by that yeah and you had it's a it's a very important thing and uh, in the case that you're talking about like the parents came, looked at it, who are in the, you know, in the trade. So you have people looking at a, a newer house that it was very well maintained that parents kind of, of course, as much as you can, look at things uh, fairly objectively. And then you decide if it's worth the risk to you if you'd rather have the house and risk something that you've not seen. So it's a calculated risk all the way around, and that's something that only you know the buyer could determine if they're willing to do. But you know, a lot of times people you just have to do something like that if it's a calculated risk that you could entertain and support if you know if you happen to be wrong about something. Not for everybody, the scenario, but some people are doing that to get what they want. But you've had a. Uh somewhat of a common theme and of course you know everybody knows that their significant other never thinks you listen but in fact I do uh, you've, the, the common theme you, is that a lot of homes you sell there's nothing quote wrong with them they're just it seems like it, it affects townhomes more than anything else where somebody might buy you know maybe 15 years ago 20 years bought a townhome for 220 or something and it's they've lived there for 20 years and there's nothing quote wrong with the place but just they've they've worn out the kitchens and the bathrooms and things and they never and maybe the rugs you know whatever or, the, or they've never never refinished the wood floors or whatever and it just needs twenty five, thirty thousand hours, forty thousand hours worth of work just to get back to what it was when they moved in and now the price is is a little lower than what they paid and everybody's all basically pissed off but it seems like well, they just they just wore that out. It wasn't not like they're losing money. They they think they are, but but they really aren't. I mean, if they put the the thirty forty into it, made it like it was when they bought it, they'd be break even or better, right? I mean, there's a, it seems like a lot of with the COVID and with the economy being the way it's been for the last fifteen years, and a lot of especially the retired people not getting any interest on their money. There's a lot of roofs that should have been put on that aren't. There's a lot of windows that should have been. I mean, you've shown me homes where the house is 15 years old and the windows don't want to open. The thing needs a roof. It's, it's not. It's not the maintenance that you know. Your my my parents' generation. You know, if they needed a roof, they put it up there. If they needed a window, they put it in. I mean, it, 
that's what they did. I mean, you're seeing a lot of this deferred maintenance for homes that aren't even that. They're not. They look like they're new from the outside. Really, do need this inspection more than you would ever have guessed they would, right? Oh yeah, and it's not townhomes; it's across the board. You just get people. There's a certain amount of people. There's two kinds of people. There's people that update and maintain their homes as they go along, and tend to keep things current as far as the style. They'll go with the flow. Like nobody wants carpet; people want hardwood, or they want the new luxury vital plate flooring or new tile, whatever their case may be. So you either get the, the group that makes updates as they go along, as they live in the house, and then you get the people that will just live in a house, do nothing, and maybe do the necessities. They'll put your furnace in when it breaks, so do the central air when it breaks, so fix the roof when it has to be done, but they're not the people that stand back and go, well, if I want to sell this house tomorrow, should I update the kitchen now, little by little, and enjoy it, use it, and then when I go to sell, it's ready to sell, and I will get my market return on it. Was it but still- some people honestly don't see it, happy are happy with how their house looks, and they will just do what's necessary to keep it going, or they simply can't afford to do it. I mean, with the price of materials now, plywood is off the charts, appliances, everything is expensive, and it's simply, some people simply can't do it, or they have to make a choice. Are you going to pay for the kids' college, or are you going to put a new bathroom in? Well, so I, I was talking... Uh, some kind of just a choice. I was putting words in your mouth, uh, we only got a couple of minutes here, I was putting words in your mouth last week, when I said that you were saying to me that uh, you have a couple, you got guys, everybody on the south side's got guys, real real, real people got guys, right? Uh, you have people oh, that, yeah. that like to... If there's a home that has not been updated at all, you know, bathrooms, kitchen basically suck. Uh, that you know, maybe they can buy a place for two ten because they have they use a lot of sweat equity and they have you know a crew of three or four people. They can turn that thing around for forty grand, and all of a sudden they can they can sell it for three ten, three twenty, and make a nice profit on it. Well, they're telling you now that the the forty grand has become sixty five because the stuff has gotten so expensive. And uh, they're not willing to take the risk, and some of that's happening, right? Uh, yeah, and it's really hurting a lot of the uh, the rehabbers. The profit margins have gotten slashed dramatically. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting scenario. It's just that, but the problem is the house you're buying. People are paying more for it, but with the price of materials, you simply can't go out and duplicate that house. For another paying another third, you can't build a house, even though you're paying more for. It. You can't replace the value in today's market with the cost of labor and materials. Well, that's so why that's one of the things fueling it. People know that. Well, that's why it's a shortage, right? Yep. Well, you and people are a lot of times people are staying in their house to fix them. They're like, you know what? I do like my house. I'm going to do a little at a time and stay here. Um, and just ride it out. Well, you were telling me we only got 15 People seconds. People moving around like they used to. They would move every three to five years used to be like the average. People would get up and move. And I find that the population just some doesn't seem to be moving as often as they used to. What was it, real quick, that million, million one house that you showed, say, six weeks ago, what did you tell me the cost to duplicate would be minimum million six? Easy. Beautiful house, by the way. That was a beautiful, beautiful home. 
really well done. So you're saying there's no way it's you a can lovely even, home. So you'd have to you'd have to you'd have to get insurance on fifty percent more than you paid for it, pretty much. Just yeah, <laughs> pretty much. God. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Take care of yourself. SP Futures down nine. We were above, up a minute ago. Now we're back down. Not much, though. NASDAQ Futures down 20. Kind of quiet all around the world. We'll see if it stays that way. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much.